We're all with the same mission, but we just have to work together. So the code design process never becomes an order and delivery process. It's always starts where everybody's pitching in and everybody's owning the process. everyone, welcome to a new episode of Data Stories. My name is Enrico Bertini. I am a professor at NYU in New York City, where I do research and teach data visualization. And I'm Moritz Stefana, and I'm an independent designer of data visualizations. In fact, I work as a self-employed truth and beauty operator out of my office here in the countryside in the north of Germany. Exactly. And on this podcast, we talk about data visualization, analysis, and more generally, the role data plays in our lives. And usually we do that together with a guest we invite on the show. That's right. But just before we start, uh, quick note, our podcast is listener supported. Uh, that also means there are no ads, which is great. Um, <laughs> but if you do enjoy the show, you could also consider supporting us. You can do that either with recurring payments on patreon.com slash data stories, or you could send us a one-time donation via PayPal on paypal.me slash data stories. Yes. And I just want to add thank to all those of you who are already signed up to Patreon or send us one-time donations. This is so useful and makes us really, really happy every time we receive a new, <laughs> a new email with a notification. It's, um, yeah, it's great. Thanks so much. So the topic for the day is a really, really interesting one. Both me and Moritz are really fascinated by this topic. We are going to talk about climate. And as you can imagine, that's a really important topic. We are going to talk about uh, data visualization in climate and more specifically about visualizing data for the IPCC. And if you don't know what IPCC is, you're going to discover it in a moment. And to talk about this, we have Angela Morelli and Tom Gabriel Johansson. Hi, Angela and Tom. Welcome to the show. Hi, guys. Hey. Thanks for having us. So, Angela and Tom, I'm really looking forward to hearing from you the stories about visualizing climate data for uh, for IPCC. Um, maybe we can start by, you can start by introducing yourself. Maybe, Angela, you want to start, and then Tom, can you tell us a little bit about uh, your background and also your, your business? Yeah, sure. So... Um... Hello, everybody. Uh, my name is Angela Morelli. I am an uh, engineer by background, actually, and I changed my path and uh, re-educated myself as an information designer. Uh, I have a, a profound passion for the environment, and I am uh, really interested in uh, science communication. I've been uh, freelancing most of my career for uh, research organizations before uh, Tom and me started Info Design Lab. Uh, we design with research organizations, with scientists, with uh, activists, with journalists. And we basically try to come up with uh, solutions that can help audiences understand complex topics or support uh, evidence-based uh, decision-making. Great. Tom? So, hello guys. My name is Tom Gabriel Johansson. I started out this journey when I was an um, interaction designer early 2000 and trying to figure out how I could spend my time with more useful to the world, basically. So I started uh, designing board games for three years. Mm -hmm. Cool. Which is a nice start. And then I forced myself into statistics Norway to learn more about uh, data, statistics, and visualization. And at that time, I tried to find other people that did the same, which was extremely hard, early 2000. <laughs> so um, I, I was uh, making this uh, conference in Norway where I invited people from all over the world, including Moritz. Yeah. <laughs> that's true, that's true. Yes. <laughs> I didn't time know ago. that. It, yeah. No, yeah. this is true. So yeah. I have it was a great <laughs> conference. Uh, it, it was. Edit. Yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah. Also in the, in the high mountains of Norway, very close to where Star Wars was uh, recorded, we invited <laughs> people from all over the world. And I specific, intentionally invited people within data visualization. So even uh, McCandless was there before he did his TED talk and all that stuff. So mm. very, very interesting uh, uh, group of people. <laughs> and then Angela also was a speaker there. 
Uh, and uh, after that, I ventured into the Norwegian Broadcast uh, uh, Corporation and I established a visualization um, team on the news floor. So within that uh, period, I also took the exam in journalist to just to figure out how the journalist was actually thinking. Mm -hmm. And um, I got very interested in the impact side of visualization. Mm -hmm. So I was really hunting for, so what does this lead to? What's the effect of this? Uh, what's the impact afterwards and stuff? And um, it was very hard to do that on the news floor, which is very fast paced, uh, fast moving. So uh, starting in for design lab with uh, Angela Morelli was a really saver. Now we're just like following this passion where we're really trying to, to see where this can lead us basically. Thanks so much for the introduction. So I think we, we want to focus mostly on your the work that you've done for IPCC. And I thought maybe the, the best way to start is to describe briefly what IPCC is in case some of our listeners don't, don't really know the acronym. So yeah. what is, what is IPCC? So, uh, uh, you know, IPCC is basically an acronym is one of those times where acronyms are actually very useful <laughs> because it stands for <laughs> Intergovernmental Panel of Climate Change. Um, it's, it was basically uh, created by the United Nations and uh, the uh, World Meteorological Organization about 30 years ago. Uh, it is. Uh, it has un 195 members and it does not conduct its own research, but basically uh, produces reports to assess the scientific literature about uh, the drivers of climate change, the impacts, uh, the future risks, um, adaptation and mitigation. So how adaptation and mitigation can actually reduce those risks. And, and the reports uh, uh, the IPCC produces are um, for uh, the world's policymakers. Uh, they are drafted by scientists, mm, over many months, sometimes years, and uh, they are like, you know, those big, thick books, uh, hundreds uh, of pages long. And sometimes they include summaries, so-called summaries for policymakers. And a summary for policymakers is basically where the interface between science and policy happens. And they can be like 30, 40 pages long. Mm -hmm. And we have worked on the key visualizations of the summary for policymakers for uh, basically three reports. Uh, the special report on global warming of 1.5 uh, degrees and the uh, special report on climate change and land. And now we have actually started just today with a, with a new one, uh, which is the um, report for the sixth assessment, AR6, uh, on mm -hmm. the physical science basis that is going to be hopefully approved in uh, 2021. Yeah, so that's uh, that's in I hope in summary what IPCC is and what we have been involved in so far with them. Yeah, and that's I guess basically is the report that is supposed to be read by people in all the governments in the world, right? If they want to learn about about climate science, they they can't really go through a super thick book. They need the gist of it. Exactly. Right? And exactly. so every government around around the globe is is basically reading that, right? Exactly. So that's basically where the where the science meets the the policymakers. So the where policy the scientists makers, meet, yeah. meet the policymakers. And is the you know the IPCC is the actually is the highest body releasing the best evidence uh, about sure. climate change, uh, the most reliable uh, evidence about climate change. Yeah. So you cannot miss it if you want to make good decisions about climate. You cannot <laughs> miss those reports. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think it's designed in a way not to be prescriptive, right? It doesn't tell you what you are supposed to do. No. It it describes the state of the art, right? And what is the I guess the consensus, right? Exactly. So these these reports are about uh, communicating the best evidence uh, and uh, of course providing uh, what type of quality there is behind this evidence. But they are not telling you what to do uh, or they are not telling policymakers what to do. They are just providing the evidence on which they can uh, base basically their decisions. So um, it's a lot about relevance and clarity and completeness uh, in a way. Um, 
Mm-hmm. See, so that's 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 the gist. Yeah, and I think uh, an interesting aspect is that, as you were saying, is that every number basically comes with a level of confidence, right? Yeah. So, which I think it has interesting implications when you have to figure out how how to visualize it, right? Because yeah. it's not just a number; yeah. it's a number plus uh, how confident are we that that number is is accurate? Absolutely, is... and the, and the IPCC confidence is kind of like it's kind of a matrix because you have uh, on one side you have the type. Of uh, of or you have the the type of evidence on the other side you have the type of consensus. So if you imagine mm. you have like okay. four level of uh, of confidence linked to this to these two <laughs> variables, and then you have a huh. language that is about the likelihood of something to happen. Um, Mm-hmm. Uh, until like virtually certain, which is 99%. Virtually yeah. Yeah. I, I love virtually famous, famous, certain. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so virtually <laughs> certain became part of our uh, daily language for Tom and me. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. So that's... Uh, <laughs> but it's so... I think that's already so interesting because if I hear virtually certain, I might imagine a totally different number, yeah. you know, in terms of probability than, than Enrico yeah. or Tom, right? I mean, what is virtually certain? It's, it's Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you've been working on the the visual part uh, of things, right? So, can you tell us a bit about some of the visualizations and infographics you produced? Yeah, uh, maybe we can go in one or two, even a, a bit in detail, so people get a sense of um, what went into producing yeah. them. Um, just a quick note uh, for the listeners: maybe it's a good idea to also pause and check out the blog post where we link the graphics and embed the graphics. Uh, because obviously it will be hard to understand <laughs> just from listening. <laughs> yeah, so we have worked on uh, several reports. Um, I think one of the most important reports, which is the first one we have worked on, is the 1.5 report. is uh, is is been defined as the the most important climate report of the 21st century. Uh, and the gist of that report is that we can limit warming to 1.5 degrees, but basically political will is key. And every action matters, mm-hmm. every bit of warming matters, every ear matters, every choice matters. It sounds like a prayer. And uh, we have repeated that so mm-hmm. many times that it's that. So that's the gist of the report. So also the idea of a carbon budget that yeah. like, yeah, there's a fixed like amount of carbon we can use. And it doesn't matter when we use it. Exactly. <laughs> if we use it up, it's going beyond exactly. 1.5 and we're yeah. in trouble. Yeah. Uh, and the visualizations for uh, for like both report the number of visualizations we have we have co-designed with the with the IPCC and the scientists are for the 1.5 report is uh, is five visualizations and um, and uh, for the land report is six visualizations like the number of visualization actually changes uh, along the co-design process um, and the for example, for the 1.5 report, just the, the gist across the figures is that the figure one visualizes where we are now and uh, how far we are from reaching 1.5 degrees of warming. Uh, the figure two visualizes mm-hmm. the risks of uh, different level of warming for the people, for economies, for ecosystems. And then there is a figure, which is three, that is about the uh, future scenarios and uh, um uh, figure four is about the links between the mitigation options and uh, the sustainable development goals. And the same for uh, for the land report. I mean, the interesting thing about this figure is that they have to work um, as a standalone. So there is a narrative, of course, within the figure, but it's extremely important to take care of the narrative across the figures. So they they have to mirror mm-hmm. the overall narrative of the of the report. Mm-hmm. So they also presented in some specific place in the report. They're not an appendix or a front matter. It's they are part of the the text. Abs- absolutely. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So they are the report is structured in uh, uh, in sections, and within each section you have headline statements, and of course the figures are connected and linked to these headline statements. The thing is that sometimes the figures can also um, visualize some of the uh, findings that are in the underlying report, which is the big book. So the idea is that, of course, the figure should not just repeat what the headline statements are saying, but uh, they should complete. 
Um, so they become uh, they become quite complex uh, because uh, because that's in in a way it's it's a lot about deconstructing complexity, right? It's not just about simplifying. We have to be able to uh, just uh, create a narrative across um, uh, elements, uh, and everything is based on uh, the evolution of the of the of the drafting report which is based on the uh, reviews from all the policymakers from all over the world all the governments all the expert reviewers that are involved in the process and like it's thousands of comments mm-hmm. um so it's not just as designing or the TSU technical support unit of the IPCC coming to us and say hey guys so here are the data here's <laughs> the report just come up with uh, some cool stuff uh, we cannot do that. So we start from from a point where um, we really have to uh, we have to dig into uh, the gist and the intent of the graphic, and we have to study the research mm-hmm. and uh, try to master the content really. Mm-hmm. Is there a briefing for each individual graphic at the beginning? Does is there like a, a main editor or something who says like here we need this graphic explaining the reasons for concern or whatnot? Or do you first basically read the text draft and then develop the this idea, ah, oh, we need five graphics and they should cover these areas uh, together with the authors? How, how does that work? Like, where do you start, basically? So what we usually do first, we read all the thousand pages of the report. So that's our starting point. That's, As one does, That's, that's the thing yeah, that we have yeah, to do. Yeah, yeah. That's for and breakfast, that, So that's, yeah. the, that's the starting point. So we have to really familiarize with the content because we don't know where this is going to go. So when the, when the sure. first draft of this report go into the review, um, it's going to receive 10,000, 12,000 comments. And the comments will not be on the figures in the sense that the mm. comments are always on the content. Mm-hmm. So the mm-hmm. figures, of course, will be impacted by the comments uh, and by how the content changes. So we have to be absolutely up to date on everything uh-huh. that is done content-wise. Um, okay. So what happens next? That sounds like a full-time job already. It does. <laughs> it does. It's, like <laughs> it's, a, it's actually super interesting because we, we get to know, you know, some of these uh, um, absolutely genius behind the carbon budget uh, the, the, is is fabulous. Uh, uh, it's a fabulous group of people. Really, mm-hmm. we are absolutely overwhelmed by the the creativity also of uh, of the scientists. And uh, and and very often I try to find a metaphor to describe this type of work. Um, uh, because one could think that is is kind of you know I I I I. I have the scientist that asks us something that's got something and then we get back to an answer or so we build in a kind of like on each other but um it's uh, it's not like that it's like being in a labyrinth all together mm-hmm. and uh, and we kind of like use each other and we climb on each other's <laughs> shoulders so we can see the labyrinth from above uh, and uh, and that's how we progress uh, until we really find uh, a solution. Mm-hmm. So we don't have a uh, brief for each figure simply because in the beginning we don't know which figures will be elevated from the mm-hmm. uh, underlying summary to the technical summary and then to the policymaker uh, to the summary for policymakers. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have to follow the the entire evolution. There is an idea mm-hmm. because of course the SPM as an overall narrative, uh, but then. Um, the f- the number of figures and the type of figures can change. Mm-hmm. And the figures are supposed to come from the big report or I'm just curious to... Yeah. Is, so, is it a translation process or I'm just confused? No, no, it's not, it's not a translation process. So basically, uh, very often um, you, you can have some uh, figures that are interesting and and... And the scientists and the um, and the and the chairs and all the people involved in the process think uh, that this data should be definitely uh, end up uh, with a figure in the in the summary for policymakers. Uh, but sometimes uh, they come with nothing 
Sometimes they come with three, four figures and uh, loads see. of data. Sometimes, yep. um, sometimes there is a figure that might be very close to the final, but is not actually close to the final. Uh, uh, so it's um, it's it's very different starting points. Okay, so I I imagine that behind that then that there's probably a very complex process and I think what is fascinating about about your case is that there are so many stakeholders and so many moving parts. I mean, I have a headache just thinking about <laughs> how this thing uh worked. Um can you describe a little bit how 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 the process actually works? How what what do you receive as an input? What do you produce as an output and one and all the <laughs> I guess the mess that happens in between. So I can, um, um, when we're talking about, uh, how it starts, it starts basically with, with the scientists, uh, and it starts with the scientists within different fields of science. Uh, and there are a lot of them and they don't necessarily use to talk to each other. Mm -hmm. So our issue starts there basically. So we, we really have to facilitate. Uh, that discussion between the different fields of science and different characters and personalities. And um, when we do that, uh, it tends to end up in a visualization uh, together with them and things become very clear. So every unsolved discussion, argument, disagreement becomes extremely visible when you're visualizing. Mm. And it sticks mm. you in the eye, basically. So it, you cannot, in the next round, you cannot avoid the discussion anymore. So you, you really, you really have to facilitate that process, uh, also with the scientists and when the, with the ambition of IPCC. And then, as, uh, as Angela said, um, that, uh, result has to be sent to 195 countries for reviews. Mm. So, Basically, oh, the countries themselves are reviewing. Yes, absolutely. Oh, Together okay. with uh, the other other people as well, so anybody can apply to become a reviewer of an IPCC report. Mm -hmm. And but of course, every country uh, is is behind IPCC. They are of course also receiving this. And yeah. and then you receive comments for that in the 1.5 report. We in total we had like 42,000 comments. <laughs> <laughs> That's a data visualization project in itself. Yeah. It's, I, I can believe you. That's so, Excel so you did some text fantastic. mining first, uh, yes. clustering. I assume. Yeah, that's what I would have done. I did. I did actually text mining. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like Angelos, now you have to read every comment. No, no, I'm just gonna text yeah. mine. No, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so, no. so, uh, and many of these comments are directly on the visuals, and yeah. uh, many of these comments come from uh, countries with uh, different needs and different agendas and mm. uh, and stuff. So, basically, uh, I, I know that you will come back um, probably wanting to more about user testing and stuff. But this is one of the parts where we're actually testing the content on uh, on all the visualizations because the point is and this is extremely important to stress is that every word comma dot and line and color and visualization in that policy make report is approved by every country mm. word wow. by word yeah it's, it's like it's insane and so it doesn't move forward until no. everyone agrees and and gives an okay basically yeah it's uh, it's if not everybody agrees on something it's uh, taken out basically and that, that's the new thing for, uh, the 1.5 report we made was, um, the new ambition of actually making the visualization, the milestone visualizations in the report also, uh, for negotiation. So we really had to figure out how to negotiate figures, which was never done before, basically. Yeah. yeah. So to prepare that ground, you need to make sure that all the scientists, different field of science are on own the figures. It's nothing that we produced and gave to them. Everybody there owns the figures and the result. And then every country has to add, remove, edit, and, and, uh, as long as it's within the scientific, uh, borders, of course. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's the complexity, uh, of it. And it's, it's quite an extreme process that few will encounter, but the and, and how do you resolve it if you have like five yeah. people wanting a change towards I don't know leaving out something and other five are very feel very strongly about keeping it in? How yeah. how do you resolve that situation? 
it's um, it depends on what level you're at. If you're in the making together with the scientists, uh, you have um, a hierarchy uh, there mm-hmm. to lean on. So um, leadership from for us to enter is extremely important. We would never ever survive in this process if we didn't have. Fantastic leadership (laughs) from the technical support unit. They Uh gave us trust. They promoted us. They they trusted in the process and they Mm -hmm. really made that control towards the scientists. So when everybody is not, it doesn't turn into an argument. It turns into a process that process that everybody is buying into. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't feel like we are selling them something. Everybody's trying to build and yeah, uh, yeah, agree and stuff. Best, so uh, yeah, that, yeah. that's the core of the co-design uh, process, mm-hmm. basically. Mm-hmm. And, and I find it interesting, like when you say co-design, like do would different people also sketch actually different alternative solutions, like visually or in terms of organization or maybe even visual encoding? Or would the feedback be mostly verbal and you are the the medium basically or the translators of that verbal feedback so it's it very often start verbally in the very mm-hmm. early hours of the process uh, but it very f- very quickly turns into uh, yeah. visual language and yeah. when we're working on this we are in a working environment it looks like what you're seeing in front of you now we're talking about uh, scientists from australia talking to the west coast of us where east coast together in a weird hours and you have people holding up sketches in front of skype telling you this is maybe a solution <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and they're sending you lots of stuff and you sort of just have to abide but, but it's it's fantastic some of the scientists are extremely savvy yeah. Mm-hmm. And they're so smart and they're so aware of uh, the communication problem they're encountering. You've had scientists on your podcast earlier that are just like uh, saints uh, in this uh, and and these guys are are in are in the group. Mm-hmm. So we're all with the same mission, uh but we just have to um work t- together. So the code design process never becomes an order and delivery process. It's always starts where everybody is pitching in and everybody's owning the process. Mm-hmm. So you, you mm-hmm. almost like uh, never know where content ends and design begins. It's, sure. you know, it's, yeah. it's, a, it's an absolutely, uh, it's, it's kind of like a loop where, where there are no borders anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it, that's also something I noticed is um, the graphics are fairly text heavy. They're almost mm-hmm. like half text, half graphic, yeah. um, w- which um, makes sense as you explained that they need to work in standalone and cannot be like misinterpreted, you know, just because a necessary label was missing, obviously. Yeah. On the other hand, I felt when I first saw them, I was like, oh, wow, that's a lot to take in. Like the, the second graphic has like a three line heading, yeah. <laughs> you know, yes. Yes, basically absolutely. a paragraph as a heading, basically. Absolutely. And, and lots of like legends and extra explanations and a little asterisk here and yeah. a caption, <laughs> you know, and so it's a yeah. lot of stuff to take in before you can get, get to the gist of it. And, I think graphically they're really clearly designed and very like beautiful and on point. But um, do you also feel like it, it was hard to integrate all these extra text contents around it? And, and have you tried presenting more boiled down, more graphical versions? Or is it something that just won't fly in that context? I'm, I, as a designer, of course, I'm super curious here. Yeah. No, I think I think you're you're um, uh, you're pointing to one of our dilemmas in in this. Um, we are very aware of the importance of text in visualization. We're really fighting mm. for, it. but the 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 visualization we're looking at here they're meant to be tools for policymakers. So they're not meant to sort of. Um, uh, be propaganda for climate change is man-made mm. or uh, temperature yeah. is rising. Uh, it's, it's not like single message. Not made for here. social media, no? <laughs> no, <laughs> not, not in the same sense. It, they sh- I, I would love them to be more social media friendly than they are. So that's mm-hmm. something that IPCC is constantly fighting for and we are constantly mm-hmm. fighting for. So I think we will be getting better and better in that. Mm-hmm. But I can tell you something in um, 1.5 report. Um, uh, so when we were discussing figures in the plenary session where all the countries are gathered in Incheon, South Korea, uh, all the delegates, all the scientists, and we have to approve line by line and, and uh, visualization by visualization. Um, one of the visualization was sort of like loaded by the countries. They're saying like, we want this in and this in and this in. And, and, <laughs> uh, and I felt like, my God, this is turning from a visualization into a table. 
Yeah. And then I went to eat lunch with uh, some of the delegates from another country. And there was this lady uh, telling me that when I saw this figure now with the table, Mm-hmm. I suddenly understand it was a table on, is it called 3B? It's about projection in the future. What, what mitigation and adaptation we have to do mm-hmm. for, uh, for the different scenarios. And she leaned me and I'm working in agriculture in my government. And suddenly I understood what this meant for my profession. And she mm-hmm. was on fire. <laughs> and, and the thing is that, that she partly made this figure. We didn't, but she did. And as a result of all this collaborative effort with the country delegates, with the scientists and stuff, there are some, it turns into tools. It doesn't turn into beautiful, award-winning, single messaging graphs for sure. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. Uh, for uh, for tools making, uh, they are they're quite powerful. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, and I think that uh, that's probably a very good point. Is uh, uh, the co-design process during the during the old drafts? You you really feel that the the scientists own the figures, but at, mm-hmm. by the end of the approval, uh, actually the policymakers are owning the figures as well, the report. Mm-hmm. So there is this sense of ownership that is quite uh, is, is quite impressive at the end mm-hmm. of the process. Mm-hmm. And that could, in the end, even lead them to be much more used because they are, yeah. If, if you if you identify strongly with something because you were part of the creation, you'll give it more value than maybe if, when it comes from the outside. Yeah. Mm. yeah. And to, and yeah. to that, I, I thought it was very interesting what Moritz asked about. You know, what happens if there are number of people saying this and saying that? I mean, if that happens in the context of the approval, you basically sit. Two, three, five, ten, twelve, fourteen hours until mm-hmm. you reach uh, a final, a final agreement. And we have spent uh, the last, especially the last days of the approval, up for forty-eight hours, <laughs> ready to jump in, to redesigning yeah. Yeah. figures that take in, a, you know, in a normal kind of like day when you are mm. present. Uh, eight, nine, ten hours to redesign, of course, sure. and, but you have to do yeah. it with lack of sleep. And but still, there is a drive there. There is an energy that is quite, uh, is quite incredible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Angela, I'm just wondering what level of detail you get feedback on. So do you get to say a scientist raising his or her hand and saying, "I think this thing should be red," <laughs> or, or I don't know, some 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 really really specific detail, or it's more like I don't yeah. know. Yeah. It's really, really, really specific details. So it's to the uh, point that it can become pointless, or or. Um, I I I tell you, uh, I've never experienced the feeling of uh, of uh, uh, I've never witnessed a pointless discussion. Okay. Uh, yeah. In yeah. The, in the land okay. report, so what's happened? One of the very nice things that is happening with this process that we have started with the one point five report, and we are refining it. So when we have done it and repeated it in the land report, of course, we have we have I- implemented new things. And these new things can kind of like uh, sometimes can backfire in a way, but they are always <laughs> they are always supportive for the negotiations. Uh, for example, now when we when we go into the um, into the approval of a figure, sometimes from this plenary session where you have 500 delegates you create these contact groups are called where uh, two uh, member countries are chairing the discussion and there is any other country can can join in and actually all the text that is in the figure is typed in a document and it has to be approved word by word mm-hmm. and uh, every label every color uh, every dimension so yes you get <laughs> comment on uh, on even on uh, on textures, you know, on, on the uh, font. <laughs> so on the on on every little detail, but is never is never pointless until the approval. Of course, you have gone through many many uh, many many rounds. So mm. there are things that you have chewed on already. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, and yeah, I, I, I certainly sympathize with what. Tom said, I, I, I had some projects in the past with scientists and, and with climate scientists. And I think it's been an incredible experience for me because you can go to this project and say, oh, I'm the visualization expert. And whatever we say <laughs> about visualization is going to I'm, I'm going to have the final word. And you <laughs> would very, very soon realize that there's a really clever scientist that comes up and says something that's like, 
oh my God, this guy has a really, really good point I never thought about, right? So you have to be very humble. And um, yeah, I, I think it's very important. Um, in relation to that, I think I'm really curious about, I think you, you said, you mentioned that you've done extensive user testing and user testing is kind of like, um, we don't talk a lot about how to do user testing in visualization. And of mm. course, uh, your, your case study, your case is, 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 a, is one of those cases where you just can't get away without proper user testing, right? So I'm really curious to hear how, how did you, yeah, how did you go about it? It's uh, especially in, in in such a complex situation where there are so many stakeholders and so many competing needs. So uh, we had a, we had a scientist from the Tyndall Center in the UK, uh, which was uh, expert uh, on uh, cognition and perception. So he was working in parallel with us. So uh, even before we got in, he was already on track with the issues with the certain um, uh, visualization and constantly were user testing almost uh, in parallel oh, session with us, yeah, nice. uh, what was there. So you, you had a scientific um, like uh, mandate to say mm -hmm. that this worked, this doesn't, this is what happened, this is it. So it the, led the discussion a lot easier with scientists because we mm -hmm. had the proof in a way. And then I think we, we can get a little, because user testing is extremely important, but when we're talking about visualization, um, on this level to actually have, uh, user inclusion yeah. early sure. is extremely important. So not testing stuff on users, but including them in depth, interviewing them, uh, about, uh, the subject, about the needs, about the context and all that stuff. So you're not designing from your mm -hmm. assumptions, but you're, you're designing from the lesson you learn by doing in-depth interviews with policymakers, with scientists mm -hmm. uh, and stuff. So this is all very difficult in the IPCC context because it's confidential. <laughs> So we cannot go out on sure. town and showing people uh, stuff and asking for feedback. It's, it has to happen within like very strict boundaries, uh, of this. So the review mm. session was very useful for us. Uh, the, uh, Jordan that, uh, was from the Tyndall Center following us was extremely important. And, and of course, drawing on all the experience we have, but, but, um, yeah, uh, and, yeah, that's true. Yeah. And I, and so I was, I was thinking that, um, I mean, what you say, Tom, is very true that uh, we, 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 we really try to avoid uh, designing based on our own assumptions. And uh, we know like from the, from the work that uh, Jordan Harold has uh, done at the uh, Tyndall Center for Climate Change Research is that uh, like visual attention is dynamic and uh, varies between people and uh, it depends on uh, your prior knowledge it depends on your cultural background and when you are mm. designing for all the policymakers around the world the only thing you can do is really just you know waiting for the comments on the review drafts uh, mm. and then there are like some basic things that we know based on the research that they've done at the Tyndall Center that uh, of course they want to try they, they want to uh, they want to have like um, uh, um, uh, uh, understandable language and terminology uh, they want to have um, um, uh, layering of the messages etc um, etc et so that's why also we ended up creating multi-panel figures sometimes just try to uh, create some you know info bytes that could could, uh, you know, try to kind of like chunk the information down as much as possible, though they are, they're still complex, of course. Mm -hmm. I'm wondering if I understand it correctly. So the, the process that you described earlier, where you received a lot of feedback and comments from the, from the stakeholders, is that the output of user testing or there's a separate separate thing going on. Sorry, I'm confused. <laughs> no. So yeah, yeah, no, no worries. <laughs> Anybody would be confused of this. So there is a, but it's a very rigid structure. So, so you sort of send out uh, for review, uh, the policymaker report to all the countries or, and all the other experts, uh, subscribe to that and they feedback on the report. And then you are, uh, at the end of the process, you are making a final version that goes into negotiation. And during the 
um, gatherings leading up to the negotiations. We are having scientists and, and some observers gathered, and we're using those sessions that is within the group for user testing as best we can, because it's, it's, a, it's a compromise here because of the confidentiality sure of the enough. process as well. So, so, so the review process is a lot about countries feedbacking on what they think is about the content and also about the visualizations and um, the user testing sessions can be in, in between in plenary sessions that is not necessarily, of course, at the plenary mm -hmm. session at the end. So there are meetings throughout all the process that we're using uh, actively, basically. So, because I think one challenge here is that for user testing, you have to, I guess you have to use, quote unquote, use people who <laughs> didn't see these graphics before, right? So I, I guess you have to see what's yes. their reaction the first time they read mm, it. Absolutely. So that's 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 um, that's a compromise in this process, basically. So um, we uh, we are actually discussing in the document that we're making with the IPCC in the lesson learned. We are actually discussing this uh, extensively on how to solve that confidentiality issue and how to actually test stuff. Um, uh, not by colored people not mm, in that sense sure. i meaning by yeah. people that are inside mm, yeah. basically yeah 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 no and 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 i think in a way this makes me think back to one of the things we discussed earlier that these things have to work without additional explanation from from an external from from a person let's say right so you have to be able to read it and learn not only about the content, but also how to read what it's there, right? So in a way that the role of annotations and text and all the rest is not only explanatory in terms of explaining to you what the data is about, but also how to read it, which makes it even, even harder, right? Yeah. And also the, the annotation, uh, when you're coming to the negotiation process and you're having 195 countries that are gathered, that have uh, different uh, context, different needs, different uh, starting points. Some will not survive 1.5 degree increase. Somebody feel threatened about keeping it below 1.5. And they will, of course, have an impact on the annotation, not being misunderstood. So they want to make it really clear in the annotation. That's why annotation are, are not just explaining the figures, but they're also catering for all the needs of all the 195 countries because they, everybody has to agree on it. But when they do agree on it, you have a long <laughs> headline, <laughs> but you have a graph <laughs> that everybody agrees upon and you cannot yeah. get away. So just by having yeah. that agreement in itself, it's so valuable because potentially mm. you could lose it. If you made it too... Uh, graphic to simple, uh, you, you're also running the risk of actually losing it in the, um, uh, yeah, in yeah. the plenary sessions, yeah, yeah, yeah. basically. No, countries. and I, yeah. I totally see that. And um, I mean, the whole phrase "designed by committee" is a, is a very it's an easy way to get rid of a designer. It's <laughs> just to say like there will be a committee co-designing yeah. with you. <laughs> and, yes. But now, I think now understanding like how what the value of this is, I see this in a totally different light now. So and uh, and I really think. That yeah. this is this is the way to go here. Absolutely, yeah. it's very powerful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. I, I have one. Yeah. We have to wrap it up soon. I have one wider question because it's something I'm thinking about a lot as well. Because I work with like large organizations, and so everybody's putting out these reports. And this idea of a report is a lot like it's a big document, right? And it has like a timestamp, and then it's published, and then you do the next report. And IPCC does like two or three reports a year, I guess so. And and I was thinking, what, what do you think about this whole format of a report? Are you also discussing in general, like how how could it look like if the whole thing was a, a communication platform or an evolving thing, or if maybe even people would see the, the process more? Like, is, is there like a meta discussion also about how how to design the publishing format? I mean, that that's probably a whole... A separate <laughs> podcast, but, mm. but I was wondering. I think if, I think it's a very like what, yeah. what your take yeah. is on this because you must have thought about that a mm. lot as well, right? I think I think it's a very yeah. it's an extremely good point. I mean, I I think that the evolution is is underway, but of course, it's not going to be from one day to the other. I think that 
uh, at least for the AR6 that we have started working with just right today with the startup meeting, there is really a need of not just designing for the report, but start looking at what happens when the report is published, meaning that mm-hmm. you don't or you should not just think about the key figures for the report. Yeah. You should think what's happening afterwards on social media mm-hmm. or on the radio. Um, mm-hmm. If you think that uh, the 1.5 report... And continue the process, actually, because the exciting stuff happens once it's out. Exactly. Way, if right? you think that the yeah. 1.5 report... When was published, there were in just two days, two million hits on the IPCC website and over 4,000 pieces broadcasted and 10,000 articles published. So in the AR6, uh, we will be designing the key figures, but there there is a deliverable that is specifically for what's going to happen afterwards to reach the broader audience. So the Mm -hmm. report maybe in in, in its format is going to be there, Uh, uh, but they start thinking uh, a different time uh, mm-hmm. and a different type of audiences as well, which I think is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that's a general theme, like just as you th- think beyond the individual fi- figure about the narrative arc and the, the process leading up to that figure, in the same way you can think about, okay, there's the report, but what's the social process around the report? Can we design that too? Or, you know, how can we make sure we learn, we keep learning all the time, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I, there is a very great focus on that now, basically, and it's, it's sort of like we're stretching it, and everybody yeah, tries yeah. to stretch it that yeah, into yeah. that Super context, yeah. basically. Yeah. Wow. So, so you just said you started work on another one. Is is this your main profession by now? I could mm. imagine. Or do you even have find time for different things now? Or we, like, we, it's it's yes. uh, we say it's a beautiful way of killing yourself. Yes, and a meaningful one, right? Yes. A meaningful yes. way of killing yourself. What, what else could you ask for? Yes. I mean. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're grateful. <laughs> the planet the planet is grateful. Hopefully. We hope so. <laughs> yeah, so so it does probably dominate most of your like waking yeah, hours. It, yeah. Yeah, it does. It does, but we are becoming kind of like you know the, because of the re- review draft uh, process there are there are uh, uh period of like one and a half months that are mm-hmm. uh, silent because of course uh, uh, the review is on so we are, of course we are working on other projects mm-hmm. and so we are mm-hmm. killing ourselves on uh, <laughs> on other scientific projects but yeah <laughs> <laughs> yes yeah Said, and, and we're teaching and we're, we're running a lot of uh, trying to spread this word as much as possible. The learning points from this, we're also trying to do through sure. keynote speaking and uh, mm-hmm. workshops we do with uh, everything yeah. from designers to non-designers and stuff. So it's, 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 uh, it takes a lot of time, but you really have to also mm. have the other one or you will completely die <laughs> if you're only doing this, basically. Yeah, but yeah. you're also kind of like <laughs> collecting some very specific kind of knowledge. I think you, you work in a very specific kind of process and there are probably lessons that you learn there that it's very hard to be exposed to unless you work on this specific kind of projects. Yeah, absolutely. So it's, uh, it's fascinating. Yeah, yeah. So we're working as a designer a live designer on the floor in this level of uh, international negotiation where they're breathing down your neck and you really have mm-hmm. to act uh, on by minutes and minutes. It's, uh, it's a lesson learned that yeah. really yeah. you have to share as much as possible. <laughs> and all the, 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 the learning points, we really try to share it as much as possible, mm-hmm. basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that would be great if you can document this process and sort of scale it or that other people can can apply the same process because yeah. it seems like a fantastic way to to tackle this impossible <laughs> challenge. <laughs> and it's actually fantastic because we have put together, we are building a lessons learned uh, document uh-huh. that uh, yeah. the IPCC is yeah. using and uh, and it's it's in constant uh, it's in constant uh, it's, it's a working progress because mm. of course we yeah. we keep building on it but uh, mm. I think it's kind of like uh, changing things in the organizations as well. That's a huge. Uh, it's a huge legacy in a way. It's not. It's not just designing yeah. the visualizations, but it's also changing the the processes. Of, yeah. Of Are there any resources yeah. if somebody's now interested in participatory design, co-designing, yeah. especially in the scientific context? Would you have off the top of your mind already have a good starting point for folks like 
where they could learn the basics or get inspired? No, I was. Uh, I mean, we are we are always uh, talking about system design and uh, participatory design, and uh, we use that a lot in the in every project we do. Mm. Uh, inspired by you know, almost like design thinking uh, methods. Uh, we we have been working with this in the past uh, fifteen years. Um, we don't we don't look at uh, resources, I guess, not because we know everything on how to do it but we just like we keep improving specifically in the in the scientific communities is quite a sure. special environment so but yeah we think a lot about participatory design uh, mm -hmm. approaches and uh, and uh, systemic thinking uh, and we have a lot of uh, discussions with with other designers in the fields tom you wanted to add something about it yeah no i think it's uh, it's uh, uh, that we are we are we're looking at ourselves as hardcore uh, information designers but we're really borrowing sure. so much from other fields uh, that we don't find in the field of visualization at the moment so we don't find That's why this, I was asking uh, because I wouldn't um, I couldn't point people to say a yeah. yeah. good source for co-designing data no. visualizations which which sounds if you think about it that sounds weird actually yeah why, mm. why is that yeah <laughs> Yeah. You should write a book. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> on the weekend. Yeah, no, I thought about yeah. that. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. We have available time on Sunday, Angela. <laughs> so, so, um, but yeah. uh, we're we're teaching a lot, and the courses that we built is actually not about learning software or um, or stuff. It's it's about how you approach yeah. this code design process, and as an information designer, so we try to teach it, and we we run this now for I think. 10 years so we're but we're still teaching it on the side a little bit of the mainstream mm, sure. data viz community uh, as we are extremely focused on what happens uh, on tuesday after you deliver the work on monday basically yeah, yeah. And, and we ask when we, when we run workshops the first thing that we ask students when we assign briefs or participants is to adopt the user and that's a that's probably a new podcast because the, the stories are so fascinating about adopting yeah. users for <laughs> data visualization <laughs> <fantastic>. projects. <laughs> yes. Well, thanks so much. I, I guess that's another one of those episodes we could go on forever. <laughs> it's uh, at times I felt so watching your your your. Um, your presentations online, I felt like you could almost create a documentary out of your experience. <laughs> so maybe that's a good pitch for Netflix or something <laughs> similar. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't have to be a documentary. It can be a thriller. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, thanks so much. I think the, the world is grateful for, for your work and it's super fascinating. And uh, I think we're looking forward to seeing what's, what's next. Thanks so much. Thanks, guys. Thank you for thanks having for us. Thanks for joining us. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Hey, folks. Thanks for listening to Data Stories again. Before you leave, a few last notes. This show is crowdfunded, and you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash datastories, where we publish monthly previews of upcoming episodes for our supporters. Or you can also send us a one-time donation via PayPal at paypal.me slash datastories. Or as a free way to support the show, if you can spend a couple of minutes rating us on iTunes, that would be very helpful as well. And here's some information on the many ways you can get news directly from us. We are on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, so follow us there for the latest updates. We have also a Slack channel where you can chat with us directly. And to sign up, go to our own page at datastory.es, and there you'll find a button at the bottom of the page. And there you can also subscribe to our email newsletter if you want to get news directly into your inbox and be notified whenever we publish a new episode. That's right. And we love to get in touch with our listeners. So let us know if you want to suggest a way to improve the show or know any amazing people you want us to invite or even have any project you want us to talk about. Yeah, absolutely. Don't hesitate to get in touch. Just send us an email at mail at datastory.es. That's all for now. Hear you next time. And thanks for listening to Data Stories.